Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity we have to uh, gather as community this morning, celebrate Mother's Day together, to be inspired by uh, your story through Scripture. We just ask that through today, each of us just feel closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, happy Mother's Day to the mothers in the room. Uh, I want to, today's title is Mother Bear for the message. When uh, Mia was little, she had this book called Little Bear, and uh, there really is no father bear in this entire book, so I'm pretty sure Mother Bear is a single mom, and she uh, takes care of this little bear uh, all the time. Uh, he thought he was cold in this part of the story that you're looking up here. It says, here's little bear again. Oh, says mother bear, what do you want now? He says, I'm cold. I want a, something to put on. And she says, my little bear, you have a hat, you have a coat, you have snow pants. Do you need a fur coat now too? And he says, yes. And so she takes all the clothes off and says he's got a fur coat and then he's warm all of a sudden. So. But they used to read this book all the time and still read this book on days like today. And... Um, but it's, uh, it's inspiring. I think I've been lucky enough to have really strong lady uh, figures in my life. Spiritual people, just motherly people. My mom, my grandmother. I've had the church I was at before Bloom was started by a female. Um, I've always been a part of like female leadership churches and things like that. And like owe a lot to these, these different maternal figures in my life. Um, mom and grandma were like really taught me grace, just unconditional love. Even the letting me learn a lesson without micromanaging things and being there when you screw up and not judgmental, but be like, okay, where do we go from here? And um, uh, they always let me know that they thought I could get through anything no matter, I don't know if they believed it on the inside, but they made it seem like to me that they, they trusted me and believed that. And um, all this stuff, though, uh, and I know you guys have, know I've been talking a lot about trying to get um, at least one female speaking in a month at Bloom to try to promote it more since uh, we are this way. I think I feel my white maleness quite a bit sometimes and want to help as much as possible. But uh, Mother's Day made me really think about the maternal side of God and how we don't talk about that enough either. Um, Christianity. Christianity hasn't had the best rap when it comes to oppressing women or trying to uh, make them not feel the best. And so as a community that is definitely trying to make gains against that, we definitely can still use work and can work together and do this. And I thought that's a good day to, to really start focusing on the feminine aspects of God and not just the masculine, because they're in there. The, the Bible doesn't only refer to God in masculine terms, even though... A lot of times it will use uh, male gender pronouns when it comes to God. There's a ton of female stuff in there, and so I wanted to look at some of that today because it's pretty inspiring, and then see where it takes us in discussion and things like that. So I am recording this badly, right? All right. Um, in Matthew, uh, it says, O Jerusalem, 
You kill the prophets whom God gives you. You stone those God sends you. I have longed to gather your children in a way like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He, we, we see this like mother bird example of like the eternal referring to himself as a mother bird all throughout Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament, the Psalms and Proverbs like this, like I want to cover you with my wings. I want to um, just be this protector as a hen gathers her chicks. Like there's this, this reference God uses, this, this common image of this mother bird and us being kids under the wings. Um, even in Ruth, it talks about uh, this, this under the wings of, of God, just this taking refuge in this, this motherly, caring, protecting, nurturing instinct. Um, and it's not just... The nurturing, we also see it even like going to the effect of this, like I was talking about these maternal figures in my life allowing me to make mistakes and things too. And in Deuteronomy, says, just as an eagle stirs up its nest, encouraging its youth to fly and then hovers over them in case they need help. It spreads its wing and catches them if they fall and carries them up on high wings. We see this bird example again, but also this like, okay, you need to get out of the nest. You need to, it's not just, I'm going to protect you under my wings always. It's I'm going to push you out of the nest when you need to get out there, but if you fall, I'm right there to catch you, I'm with you, I'm walking you through this thing, and so we see these maternal instincts. The one I like the most isn't a mother bird, but it's a mother bear, I guess, because of the mother bear story at the beginning, and this is a mean one, I like this one. Hosea 13.8, I will meet them like a bear who's lost her cubs, I will rip open their chests and devour them if I'm a lion, I will tear them apart as if I'm a wild animal. This is the divine being like, I'm like a mother bear, you mess with my young, like... It's just over, and there's like, it's violent description where you're like, oh yeah, like that's amazing. But if you've ever been in the woods, and you like, I'm not super afraid of bears, but I'm afraid of mother bears and a cub. Like, you're walking along, you see that baby cub, and I'm just like, shoot, I need to get the, the heck out of here, because mother bear isn't far behind, and I do not want to get ripped apart, because I'm just in the wrong place at the wrong time. But this God is being like... Um, a mother to us is, is really, there's some really fun stuff in these scriptures. And I think if, if we're not pointing these out to, if we're not looking at them as just as important, or maybe even more important now since it's been kind of uh, less so much lately, I think we're missing out on something. Um, Isaiah is an amazing uh, book in the scriptures because he seems to have the fondest and the most excitement about painting God as like our, our, a mother. Uh, there's so much terminology through the whole thing. If you look at Isaiah 42, 14, the eternal one's talking, says, as a woman fiercely strains to give birth, I will grasp, I will pant, I will cry out. I've been quiet for a long time. I've held back in the face of it all, but no more. Um, or Isaiah 66, 12 through 13, he says, you'll nurse at her breasts and nestle in her bosom and be bounced on her knees as a mother comforts her child, so I'll comfort you. And so it's this, these reflections over and over again that as a mother is taking care of her child or as a mother is birthing something into his ex existence, this is the same as me. And so we see the, especially coming from eternal one, God himself, these motherly descriptions of what's going on. In Isaiah 49, 15, the eternal one says, Is it possible for a mother, however disappointed, however hurt, to forget her nursing child? Can she feel nothing for the baby she carried and birthed? Even if she could, I, God, will never forget you. There's so much more about, Job talks about like creation leaping from the womb of God and these different, like the sea, uh, 
just being birthed from the womb of God. And so we see all these like womb references all over through Scripture as well, yet we only want to give God male attributes, even though we see so much of this other stuff going on here. Um, even Jesus himself starts to speak in like birthing terms for this new humanity that he's creating. Before his arrest and crucifixion in John uh, chapter 17, Jesus says, he's like, the hour has come. And to us, we're like, okay, the hour has come. But that Greek phrase back in the day was a, a labor term. It was like when a lady was ready to have a baby, that was what they used. And this is the same terminology Jesus uses then when he's in the garden and it's, it's about to happen. It's like, okay, this is, he uses labor terms of he's birthing something, something's going on here. Uh, in Galatians 4.19, even Paul, he he's talks about going through the pain of giving birth to like nurturing this Gentile like church that he's working with. Or in Thessalonians, he says that his devotion to this church is like a mother feeding and looking after her own children. And so we see these, we see these examples, these um, of followers of Jesus, of Jesus himself, of God using these mothering analogies. Um, it's worth diving into then on Mother's Day to see, like, okay, what, what do we need to do to look at this? Because God is obviously outside of gender. There's no, he's not male, even though we want to give him that. He wasn't created in the image of man, and then we created female a little bit different. It's, there's, God's gender neutral. There's no, he somehow encapsulates everything in all of our essences. And I really don't think, when the scriptures talk about us being made in the image of God, I don't think it's he actually has any human form. I think it's the spirit side of us that's made in the image of God. We're, we're made of that same spirit material that, that uh, this is just the, the costume, the suit, the, the rags for today of what's going on. I don't, I don't think that's what it's talking about. And so I'm, I think on that terms, I think there's so much connection of what's going on with us. Um, but I think if we only use these male metaphors, if we only use that, I think we miss a huge part of some of the best parts of God. Because really, even if you look at Scripture as a whole, the Old Testament, even though we saw a lot of these mothering examples, as overall, people get this more masculine, angry, I'm just here to give you the belt quick if you do something wrong. And then we see Jesus. Even though we, Jesus uses these, really gives us the first kind of really big picture of God being a father and us being his children, the... Um, what do I want to say? Uh, the attributes he's giving towards this father figure are actually mostly motherly attributes. So uh, he, he, this compassion, this protection, this unfolding grace that just never ends, these are, these are much more feminine attributes even though he comes um, to a society that's male-driven and would have freaked out of anything woman-based. He comes saying with this example of God the Father, yet he gives him all these beautiful female attributes that we'll look at. There's a theologian I like, uh, Lynn Jappinger, I think is her name. I have no idea how to say it. I hate last names. Uh, but it's from her book, Feminism and Christianity, An Essential Guide. I figure it was a good book to quote from on Mother's Day. This language about God should help us understand and encounter God, but we should not confuse the reality of God with the limits of our language. And I think that's where we sometimes can get in trouble is we, we only use the same metaphors or words, and God's so much bigger than this, and so to not confuse getting wrapped up or putting him in the box that only our language can do or maybe has done in the past, especially societies that, are, that tend to get really excited about only being male-driven. 
There's a lot of uh, people that feel like um, the book of Hebrews, since there's no author on it, was actually authored by a female and that they decided to leave it off because no one would have read it if it was given its female author as a title and no male would have ever wanted his name to be left off of such an amazing piece of writing that they'd be like, no, wait, you definitely put my name on that. This is, this is fantastic. And only a female would be amazing enough to be like, I don't, don't have to put my name on it, whatever. Like, and again, it's, it was found, uh, I mean, it was decided to be used in the scriptures much after the death of whatever was going on. But yeah, they figured the passing it out, the popularity of it, uh, without this title, um, they think she was probably a disciple of Paul because there's, there's language that's similar, but so much that's different that it's obviously not him. And why leave his name off when we put Paul's name on everything else? So... There's that as well. Um, and I don't know, I, get, I definitely get uneasy feelings from people, especially older generation, if you start talking about the motherly attributes of God. It's like this, the brakes go on, like, wait a minute. Uh, like we've got a bunch of like female-loving cults that are just invading Christendom and we have to be afraid of giving... I don't know, but you see, you see people panic when we start to be like, no, it's not just making this shit up. It's that there's... There's references all through scripture, and we just got to remember the culture that wrote this, too, how male, ego-driven all that stuff was. Um, There's also a quote by um, an old Christian mystic, uh, Meister Eckhart. He describes God's activity as, what does God do all day long? He gives birth. From all eternity, God lies on a maternity bed, giving birth this over and over and over again. This um, Really, it's, it's the, the sense of um, this redemption, this uh, even like Jesus' death on the cross being this, this etern- this, we're going from death to life over and over again. Old ideas dying, new ideas being birthed, old parts of us dying away, something new being birthed. It's this constant rebirth. God doing something more over and over and over again with us. Um, there's this, um, John Oxenham is a, a Christian theologian as well, and he writes this poem about God the Father's motherhood. He says, Father and mother are thou, in thy full being art, justice with mercy intertwined, judgment exact with love combined, neither complete apart. And so we know that when our service is weak and vain, the father justice would condemn, but the mother's love, thy wrath will stem, and our reprieval gain. And so he writes about that he can't see God outside of both of these, almost a yin and a yang, like this working together to complete something on the inside of us. And so there's truths about God that we're looking at, um, and I think these motherly statements like give us that, that a fuller picture, something that is missing if we only look at it the one side. And Mother's Day seemed to be appropriate for me to kind of dive into this a little bit, to recapture these maternal images, to make sure that we're, we're using them. Um, people can describe God in feminine terms not because God's a woman, because God is fully human, like both of us together. And it's not scary. There's nothing weird about deciding to do that. I I honestly feel like there's times when switching even the gender pronoun when we're talking about God to she that will open our eyes or ears to something that just, okay, I've heard that before, and all of a sudden you change one thing and you're like, oh, there's something different here. There was uh, the New International Version of the Bible in like 1998 
came out with a TNIV. It was called Today's New International Version. And all they did was change some of the pronouns, not even the pronouns about God, just the pronouns when it was talking about a group of people, but it wasn't someone specific. Instead of always using male ones, they switched some to female ones. So it'd be like, hey, let's throw some more female pronouns in here. There was a flipping uproar. Like you, you have to like really search on the internet to even find this translation anymore in a PDF because people got so mad. You can't find it on like digital Bible versions and things. Like it was, it didn't even make it a year, and they pulled pulled it from all the shelves. They got rid of it because people were so freaked out that in a group setting we would use the the word uh, a more feminine pronoun describing them instead of male and that we would even think about doing the Bible this way even though the Greek that they're translating it from has no gender it doesn't the pronouns used in the Greek don't have male or female we decided to give it male when we translate to English so you're like okay we've got we've got some hang-ups here with some of this that maybe we just need to massage over and figure out and so I feel like as being a pastor leader it's it's giving permission to use whatever pronoun seems to go best with what you're talking about when we, when we talk about God, to not have it be, to have to be something because divine is fully both of these things, and even beyond male or female. And so we need to start getting our heads around this stuff. Um, there's one more from that feminism in Christianity. It says, People describe God in feminine terms not because he's actually a woman, but because Feminine or maternal traits say something true about God and about their ex- experience with God. And so the same thing that, um, the same thing is with the, the, the fatherly things. We just, we can't all of a sudden get confused and think God is either one of these sides of things. It's not just Mother God, it's not just Father God, it's, it's somehow a combination of all of it. But I wanted to look at some of the attributes of mothers that we definitely see God being described as and talk quickly like this this presence, this God of all comfort whose spirit will never leave us, never forsake us, who's always there. It's, it's such a, the way the scriptures describe it, it's that, that, that feminine aspect of this. Even like the, the mother bird always covering us with their wings but willing to stir up the nest when we need to fly and still being there to protect us if something goes on. But, but there's something about that presence there. There's something about uh, the counsel or wisdom of a mom. It, it really is a child's first teacher. It's that one they go to. It's the one they learn so much of, about life. Uh, I really feel like Mia has gotten um, this courage to be herself from Amy instead of molding into an image that society says a child or a woman or a daughter has to look like. Amy's like, whatever, this is me. Just got to deal with it. And yes, sometimes it came with middle fingers or a look, but she was bold to be herself. And then I get to see it in Mia where she's like, this is me and I don't care what anyone else says. But this was that first counsel, that first taught that uh, she could have made her be afraid of the world or afraid of being herself, or, but she, she mothered this way. It was so great. Uh, when you're discouraged, like my mom was so good to comfort and inspire and to not be like, yeah, you did something really stupid, Luke. It was like, where do we go from here? I love you. I know you can figure this stuff out. Uh, she was the best to go to when I would do ridiculous stuff. Silence is an amazing thing because when I was in trouble, your mom doesn't, She's not the one lecturing you. It was if dad was up that you were like, crap, we're, I'm dead. Like, this is something going on. Her intuition could tell her what was going on in my life and still can without me having to say anything. She just knows what's up, what's going on, what's been happening. There's just something about this silence. 
Um, she knows when to bring things up most of the time and when to not. Um, she may guess what's going on or she may be even fearful for me, but she always puts comfort and love as this first wave of what's coming from her. Uh, just no condemnation, but all this consolement always, like all this support and in inspiring me to not just correct it because I'm bad, but that inspires me that there's something amazing on the inside of me, so I'm going to be able to get through this. Sympathy is another thing. Um, uh, this God offers the same tenderness, the same sympathy, this uh, mother God, mother bear here, will heal, will gladden, will sympathize, will love, will care for us like no mother on earth even could. And even the correction of a mom is such many times, and again, this is where we can get to dangers as if we had a horrible mother for some reason, and now we put only motherly attributes on God, you're like, okay, that, I could never deal with that because my mom would backhand me if I did something wrong, and now we want to put that image on God. You want to think of the best possible scenario for these motherly attributes, fatherly attributes, and then take them a step farther and be like, this barely shines on the power of love of this divine that we're talking about. So where do we take this? How do we talk about this together? Where, what are we, what's the takeaway from this? I think we're so many times called to imitate God. If we only talk about the male attributes, then we're forgetting to Im- imitate these female attributes of the mother divine, of God as being our, uh, of, of being feminine, and that being so powerful at the same time. And even more powerful if we think about it. I mean, I don't know. Um, even that, that, that poem we read by the guy, I'm, I'm listening to what he says is the, the strong male attributes. You're like, these are horrible. I don't want to emulate any of these. With the feminine ones, you're like, yes, I could be more compassionate. I could be more tender and loving. I can be all these things. So which of these motherly traits do you need more in your life? What do you need to practice more of? What do you need to be reminded of that God holds these things? A question I'm going to ask myself is, what would this week look like? What kind of awareness could I learn if I, if I tried to only use feminine pronouns for God for even just a week, just to try it out, just to catch myself being like, oh, how does that work? What does that say about me? What does it say about what I'm thinking? To just switch things up a little bit. Um, as Bloom, we need to make sure that we just don't promote, as a community, the, the male sides of things, that the female side is part of the conversation, that in discussion and when we're talking about this, that we don't get agitated if someone uses feminine pronouns for God and, and even celebrate it if it does because it's probably an awareness that we need, something more that's going on. This isn't some kind of panic that we think we're headed down the wrong trail. Jesus was the only one that we know that was actually a male, that, like, it's, but God we, we know is bigger than that. So... Um, so I want to give permission to speak in any pronoun you choose when we're here. Again, I want to reinforce the fact that we need more female voices, whether it's discussion or even teaching on Sunday. Next Sunday, Katrina's speaking, so I'm excited about that. Um, I'm still kind of on the hunt for someone even more permanent that uh, wants to take on a more, maybe speak once a month regularly and even help with some pastorly duties. So I've been checking at colleges, which is really rough because there's not a ton of ladies trying to even become females. So our society is not doing, or become females, become pastors. We're not doing a good job with this. This is a, and if it's that bad out there, then I obviously need to work even that much harder to try to be supportive and promote this and have something going on. Let's pray and go to discussion. I'm intrigued about where this will take us.
Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to uh, see these amazing motherly attributes of God. Uh, remind us of these this week. Help catch us if we're only thinking of the male sides of things. Let's promote these feminine images, presence, counsel, silence, sympathy, correction, and even the ones I didn't even think of while writing this. Um, I just ask that that strength, that side of you, would be reflected in each and every one of us and in this community as a safe place to grow into your fullness, everything that makes you up. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.